Hi, everyone. Today we have Charles Chen in the studio. He's a wellness entrepreneur, a human being. Yes, yes. <laughs> human being first, yeah. <laughs> and a single guy in LA. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I wanted to bring Charles in because, I mean, I barely know you. We just met, but I can tell you are a magnet at creating the life that you want. You're a happy guy. And I know a lot of people strive to simply be happy and attract what they want in life, whether it's personal or with work. And you are really good at that. So today I want to talk about your journey and how you got to be where you are and how you show up every day to create that. Absolutely. And just for anyone who's listening, wasn't always happy. So we'll dive into it. And, you know, I think you have to experience the opposite to really get to the core of what true happiness is. It's the yin yang of life. It's like the dual duality. We have to experience the pain to understand like what true bliss is. Absolutely. Okay, so let's rewind. Let's rewind to childhood. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Are you born in the States? I was born here in Los Alamitos near Huntington Beach. And then I was brought back to Taiwan till the age of seven. So my first language was actually Mandarin Chinese. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I would try to speak to you in Mandarin, but right now I don't feel like embarrassing myself. So give me just one another little, time. Just one little thing. <laughs> Charles, ni hao. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually Chi. It's two words. And it means rise from the east. In like yeah. Nice. Because I was I was born in the morning. Oh nice. I love how like all the names have such a story behind it. It's like so well thought out. I'm just like, whoa. And it's weird because my first language is Chinese. When I count, I count in Mandarin. Oh, you do? Yeah. So, so you think only when you're counting, you think in Mandarin. It's like weird. It's like any immigrant understands. It's like it's like a weird thing that you have. Like I count. Yeah. I have to like switch back and forth. Yeah. Okay. So culturally, because you have both cultures, did you ever run into challenges with that with your parents? Yes, absolutely. So when I was brought here, my parents separated. So my mom raised me and my older sister. She was a single mother and just struggled, you know, like working full time. And I went to an after school daycare program because she was working. And then I got allowance money. And so going to school and then had to go to an after school program to learn English and go to like ESL classes. And then on the weekends, I've on Saturdays, I have to go to Chinese school to make sure that my Chinese is up to par. So it was a lot. And like coming here, trying to figure out your identity as an Asian American, I barely even knew who I was as a kid. So like I have to find out where I belong here, you know, and then figure out my parents' divorce and my own sexuality. And like, it was just a lot. And I think that's kind of how my whole journey started. I got after school allowance money and it was right next to McDonald's and it was a social thing with the kids to just go to McDonald's and I numbed my feelings. Instead of feeling my emotions, just feeling lost, I just stuffed my face and I was like, I don't want to deal with any of this emotions and got addicted to junk food. And that's kind of how my wellness journey started. I ended up gaining a hundred pounds. I was a skinny kid when I first moved here and just ate junk food. It was like Western culture, Western diet was very different from the Eastern philosophies and uh, stuff my face. Yeah. 
And what were some of the emotions that you were trying to hide or mask? Yeah, I think it was a combination of struggling with my identity, not being able to speak English and being bullied all the time, always being othered. It was like, you're just, you don't belong. You don't speak the language. You can't stand up for yourself. And then my sexuality and also my parents' divorce, I think at that time, I've obviously empowered myself and changed the narrative. But like at the time, I believe that I was a result of like my parents' like divorce. Like I wasn't good enough or something, right? So I think I blame myself. I internalized all of that. So you made up that story. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it took years later until I understand and like did the work and actually like dive deep into my personal transformation and going to the childhood wounds and just like understanding like, whoa, 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 whoa. When we're little, like our brains are not fully developed. So then we find ways to like put certain emotions and problems in place and create these belief systems, even if they're not true. And they they stay with us unless we actually go back, pull out those roots and be like, no, this doesn't serve me. I'm going to let this go. But I think people operate years of trauma and they don't actually process them. So my journey was like going back and understanding how to heal and how to feel and process those emotions. And did something happen to kind of kickstart that process? At what point did you decide, I'm going to start doing this work? Yeah. So I hit my rock bottom at the age of 15. And this is like right when I was going into high school, I knew I didn't want to get bullied anymore. And I was like, something needs to change. I was like a couch potato. I would watch the Food Network all the time. So crazy how the universe works. So like I was watching Food Network, stuffing my face with junk food, chocolate chips, whatever, to not feel... I think during that time, I would make wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks, not being able to breathe. And my mom took me to the doctor and the doctor is like, you're pre-diabetic and you have diabetes in your family. And if you don't lose some weight and start getting healthy, you're going to die. I think that was my wake up call. And just like sitting in front of the, the, the TV and I was like, you know what? My life has something greater. I know it. Like it was like an inner whisper, inner voice. And when we quiet down our minds, we can hear that inner calling. And it was like, you have something to offer the world, but in order for you to actually share that, you need to heal yourself first. And my friends are outside playing. I was lethargic, no energy, couldn't even get out. And I was like, I got to change this. So I was watching the Food Network and Emerald Lagasse, the chef, I actually got to work with him later on in my career, which is like full circle moment. I was inspired by his connection with his audience. He had this show on Food Network where he would cook for a live audience and people would give him live feedback. And I was like, this is so cool. He wasn't cooking the healthiest food, but I was like, yo, this is awesome. So I got inspired, went to the farmer's market and I started just buying produce and and challenging myself to recreate some of my favorite dishes because I was a fat kid at heart, you know? Oh, that's amazing. And how was your mom through the process of you? Like, what did she think when she had to take you to the doctor? Um, You know, I feel like parents, they have their own stuff too. So I think she was going through her own journey, you know? So like, My mom was always super supportive and always very loving. Like she taught me how to meditate very early on. So like, I am grateful. Like she is Buddhist and like vegetarian, like she'd take us to the temples. Even when I didn't understand what meditation was, it 
allowed me to understand and expose me to a life of self-awareness and to like reflect. Because anytime I would do something wrong, she would be like, go sit in the corner and think about what you did. And then you tell me what you did wrong. So then she empowered me to be like, you know what you did. And, and then that muscle was like really strengthened as I started to actually practice meditation later on. You know, she was doing her best. And obviously she tried to do her, like when she would come home from work, she would just take, get takeout. And then when I started this journey of cooking, I was like, mom, I don't want to eat takeout. I want to cook. So she's like, okay, I'll take you to the grocery store. I don't have time to cook though. And I was like, it's okay. I'll learn and I'll cook for us. And so like she empowered me. She's like, okay. And she was supportive. So nice. And what does she think about what you're doing now in the wellness industry? I mean, she's always been supportive and she's like so proud. She's like all that like years of me putting in work has definitely paid off and it's still evolving, but she's just like my number one supporter and she's awesome. And I'm so grateful because I learned a lot of my lessons to her as far as like compassion and like how to treat people. It's interesting how like when you have a transformation like that physically, people treat you differently when you're in a different body. But for me, I try not to judge people where they are because I understand that you need to hold space for them to become. And that's something that I learned because I wasn't where I was. But then when those people like saw me beyond the physical, when I had teachers who were like, you have greatness within you and I'm gonna hold space for that. And I was a different kid. I just thought differently at a very early age. And I had this one teacher that like really supported that. Like, I remember he he gave us a book report and I was like, fuck this book report. Like, I don't want to do a book report. And I, I challenged him. I was like, can I make a movie? And he said, yes. Had he said no, like he just created this, like I probably put in 10 times more effort than any other kid on their paper. And I started casting kids. I was like, I'm creating a movie and I'm going to direct this. He let me premiere it in front of my whole class. He gave me an A. And I think from that moment, I was like, I can do things differently if I asked. Most people don't even ask. It empowered me to be like, okay, what else can I do? What are people not asking? Why are they just doing things because they're told to do it? And like that changed my life too. So there's like series of mentors and people who showed up in my life and like saw me, held space for me to create and allowed me to be. And can we talk about your sexuality and your yeah. journey with that as well? Yeah. You struggled with it at a young age at any point? Absolutely. I think it was like in middle school, right around the transformation, like going into high school, everyone's starting to date. This internal thing was like, oh, shit, I have these weird emotions. Like, I don't know how to process them. And I think that was also part of the numbing, too. Just if I were to gain weight or put on weight then I would be invisible and nobody would look at me as like a sexual object. It was like a subconscious deep rooted and it's like very deep. I was like, whoa, that's, and I had to figure that out years later, just me to hide, to be invisible. It, that was my own self-sabotage. But yeah, it took me a while. And even in high school, I started uh, dabbling into dance. Like my parents are, my parents are separated. My mom was very open and supportive. My dad was like very strict and was like, be a doctor, be an architect. Why are you dancing? You're wasting your time. I saw you dance. Like you get it. down, girl. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's such a good expression. And here's the thing. It freed me open and like it gave me a, an outlet to express myself because up to that point, I was creating food, but I didn't have a outlet to express myself. And we talked about this earlier when we were in the waiting room, 
creating spaces for people to feel seen and to just be, I felt like I was liberated. Like I saw these older people within the dance community just own who they were. And they were just like, this is me. The sub category of people like underground, there were mentors there too, who like took me under their wing was like, you have something, keep going. And I remember when I first started dancing, I saw like so many auditions. My sister actually got me into it. She was auditioning for a collegiate dance team. And I saw her friends get together and they were practicing choreography for the audition. And um, I was like, what? I want to dance. And then that same team created a junior team for anyone who wasn't in high school, the siblings of those kids that were in the dance team. And I auditioned, failed miserably, like so bad. I have no rhythm. And then like through series, a series of trial and just keep practicing and showing up. You know, my, my parents taught me that. And I finally made it, I think after the six six try tryout. Nice. But then, yeah. So that was part of like seeing mo- role models of people who identified as queer, gay, bi, whatever, and just being openly like themselves. And just that allowed me the space to just like, oh, I can be. And that started my exploration of who am I? What do I stand for? Right. Can we talk more about the labels in the gay community, queer? Because I'm learning too. I actually don't know much about it, but we we did talk about this a little bit. Yeah. So in the um, waiting room. Yeah. So LGBTQ community, there's different labels, and I was telling you earlier that it's a marginalized community. So it's like in within a marginalized community that has been ostracized from like society, right? There's this feeling of wanting to fit in, and I think within the LGBTQ a community there are labels and there's like these pressures to to fit into certain molds like are you a twink are you a bear are you a jock and i never felt like i needed to label myself but i think a lot of kids especially if they're young and they don't know who they are the thing that they want is to belong so they'll just like attach themselves to a label just to feel like they belong but i think one of my things that I want to create and what I'm creating is to create more spaces for LGBTQ youth and just people, whoever who's just exploring, just to have spaces to just be, not feel judged and take away all the substances because within the community, there's a lot of addiction and there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of unreleased trauma that people need to process. So there's addiction to alcohol, overuse of drugs and sex, those are all numbing. It's the same thing with me with food, but it's in other capacities. So what are some things you would recommend for people who want to start diving into this work? Like, What are some of the things you did besides having great mentors, which you're very lucky to have? Yeah. Like, What if someone is doesn't have any mentors and they would like one? How can they find one? Well, I think right now, especially right now, there's virtually like using social media, there are spaces you have to go out and look. And I think, uh, you know, with what I'm creating at Zeal, it's a community of experts and, and we do monthly mastermind calls. We hold each other accountable on goals and like dreams and things that you're building so we can build together. And we t- team you up with like different experts. But yes, there's a lot of virtual kind of resources. And just know that you're not alone. And when you start doing the work, you'll start just attracting like-minded individuals. If you're reading certain things, um, take on hobbies. I think always lead with joy and lead with curiosity. So for me, it's like joining a sport that's not you know, tied to 
addiction or substances, like just things that bring you joy. So for me, when I started, it was like dance, but you can be maybe a sport, art, whatever it is, like explore, go with like what brings you most joy and like find the community there. There's always people like holding space. Yeah. I think it's, you're right. It, you have to put yourself out there mm -hmm. as well. And you, you reached out to me on Instagram yeah. and like, it was so easy for you. You just said, hi, like, I want to connect. You want to hop, on, yeah, a, I you don't hop know, on a call? Yeah. I don't know how I found you. I think it's probably through one of the Zeal fam community members. And I was like, I looked at your feed and I was like, oh, I like this girl. And I was like, anytime I see another Asian just rocking it, I'm like, yes. How can I amplify your voice? How can I help you? Because I just feel like representation is so important. And especially right now, what's what's going on with the AAPI like awareness and all the anti-Asian hate. It's just, I don't like to lead with fear. I don't like to feel like a victim. I'm just going to make sure that my presence is known and I'm going to be louder and I'm going to continue to do my work and I'm going to amplify other people who are doing the work because I don't think any healing happens when you stay in anger. I think we have to be in a place of like, okay, this is what's happening. What can you do? What can you do to serve, right? So for me, it's like process the emotion, but don't stay in the anger because that doesn't serve anybody. I agree. I agree. And what I noticed from you is you are very, you lead with trust. You seem just very trusting, like you expect the best out of people and situations. You're very generous. You're very curious because when we hopped on the call, you just kept asking me questions. I wasn't sure what the call was going to be because I have, to be honest, hopped on networking calls where it just felt like, like, what's in it for me? Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. And I think that's why, like, I don't, I hate the word networking. I just feel like I don't know. I feel like going back to, you know, your first question about like magnetizing, like when you start just radiating truth, all the things that you embody, integrity, trust, I think at the core, all humans are good. Trauma just gets in the way. Fear gets in the way. So I like to hold space and always think that everyone has the best in mind. I don't want to operate in the world thinking that everyone's out to get me. That's such a fear base. It takes a lot of energy to do that. I just hope that I I radiate what I what my values are and then I attract those people into my life. Because I, I think that your reality is like a very good magnifying glass of what's going on internally. So I think everyone who comes into your life is like a sacred interaction. Like there's no, there's no accident in the universe. Like it's very intentional. So then sometimes like even today, like I was talking to a friend, she dropped off a book and one of my neighbors came out and was like, how did you get access to the book? And I was like, whoa, where the fuck did this guy come from? Right. And I was like, you know about this book? Yeah. He's like, I ordered it and it's on wait list. It hasn't even come out yet. How did you get access to the book? I was like, oh, I don't know. She just dropped it off and it sparked this awesome conversation. You just attract people. And like he was on such a cool vibe too and doing the work, transitioning. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. But you just started like meeting all these cool people. And then when you're not, it's also a good reminder. What did I do to attract this? What within myself is attracting these relationships? Because there's probably patterns of something that you need to learn and it's a lesson that you're not willing to learn yet so it's going to keep coming back until it brings you enough pain and it breaks you open and hopefully you don't have to get there 
but sometimes it's a uh, necessary. necessary, right? Mm-hmm. So because you have done so much work on yourself and uh, I guess operate at a different vibe now than you used to, have you lost friendships throughout that process or grown apart from certain people? Absolutely, mm-hmm. and let them go. Like it's it's there's no it's it's not personal. Everyone's on their own path and you might resonate with certain people more at a different chapter in your life because I truly believe every chapter of your life requires a different version of yourself. And part of that, going back to what I said about the subconscious and going back to the deep-rooted traumas, you get to recreate who you are. And there's certain things that don't serve you, whether it's like money problems or relationships or, you know, like self-sabotage. Those can be like pulled out, but you have to, and it's very uncomfortable. A lot of people think doing the work is easy. No, it's tough. It's it's you showing up every single day. And that's why I love the title of your podcast and your book. <laughs> that's what really drew, drew me to you too. I was like, show up. That's something that I say all the time. Sometimes the hardest thing is just showing up. I don't need you to be like perfect. Just show up. And that's something that I, whoever I work with, you don't need to be perfect, but just be committed to your practice. It's a practice and it's like a, it's a constant evolution. It's a never ending journey. So I'm writing a book right now too. I don't know what the title is, but it's the infinity sign. And it's the whole idea of round eight and breaking it down, like how eight minutes, three times a day can transform your life. But it's around the infinity sign of like, like transformation is a lifelong journey. Like you're never going to get to destination B you'll evolve. Sometimes it'll be easier, but it's like, it's you committing yourself to the practice. And I think it's very humbling. It's beautiful. And it's like, yeah. And so because you attract a lot of positivity, you have, well, you do have a very public, uh, so a big social media following. Do you ever get hater messages on there because you're so positive? I get it all the time, but here's the thing. Like I recognize, I learned not to take it personally, but it's like, sometimes you do. When someone's reaching out out of hate, it's like really like where they're at. It's a pain. And I almost like send them more love because I recognize the people in like my life that caused the most pain were people who are hurt and hurt people hurt people. And recognizing when you when you take a moment and be like, oh, this is not this is no longer about us taking a moment. I always like I take myself out of a situation because I feel like when you engage, you just you bring your vibration down to that space. I don't engage. I just, I now, I used to argue and bicker like past relationships. And I realized, whoa, 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 like, why am I bringing myself there? Now I just remove myself from the situation. So if I get heated, if something triggers me, if someone I'm working with, I'll take a moment and be like, hey, like, um, I need some time. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a walk or like, hey, can I call you back in like 30 minutes? I just need to like, let me sit with this. And when you really do, when I say do the work, self-reflect, what actually happened? This happens in relationships. What was triggered? And usually it's like an inner child wound. You can bring it back to an exact moment of when you didn't get what you wanted and then you started acting out. And as adults, we're just all big kids. When we can see when you're in a relationship or when someone's not acting in their integrity or the highest version of themselves and they're reflecting something that is not their true nature, which is unconditional love, recognize that the inner child within them is hurting and and crying out for love. And when you can see that and remind yourself that everyone is an innocent child of the universe 
and see the innocence and just feed them more compassion and try to understand and lead with curiosity rather than pointing the finger and daggering them, your relationships will transform. Absolutely. I think compassion is something that the world needs more of right now. And the more I find that I give it, whatever has a grip on me kind of lets go as soon as I'm, I can get to that space of compassion. At what point, because sometimes you want to have compassion and lead with curiosity and other times you just don't want to engage, I guess, depending on whether you know the person or not. Yeah, yeah. When do you decide? Because I know some people have trouble with those boundaries like, oh, but I feel bad. Like I want to help them. But is that my job to help them? Do you have a method that works for you? Yeah, it's like going back to your inner intuition, inner guidance, that whisper that I talk about. It's like a feeling. Like for me, it's like a vibe. I just like meet people and you know right away. It's like you don't have to say a word. If someone's having a negative day, like I just feel like my body like regurgitate, like I don't want to be around them. Right. And don't feel bad. You got to protect your boundaries. You protect your space. You have to take care of you. So then you can give to the people who are open and ready to receive. If you're giving to the wrong people, that's that's a form of self-sabotage. And I think that took me years of understanding because there's like this need of wanting to be liked and validated. And then you you have to reflect it back to yourself. Like, why why do I need someone else to tell me that I'm great to feel great? Do you not feel great already? Right? So it's like, those are the questions. I think our quality of life is based on the quality of questions we ask ourselves and how deep we're willing to go. Everyone, there's a lot of people operating on very surface and like, it's very easy to numb. So like when you go on like a sensory deprivation or like a cleanse, you're getting, removing all the barriers of things that you, you clutch onto when you're feeling uncomfortable. It's like part of the work when they say it's like it gets muddy before all the mud calms down. So you can actually see as it is. Yeah. I did Vipassana meditation. It's a silent meditation retreat. 10 days, right? Three times. I think I'm going to go and go back, but very different stages in my life. That was so beautiful. The amount of clarity that I got was like, whoa. I heard it's amazing and you get so much clarity and a lot of ideas that mm-hmm. come through. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends was saying, because you can't write anything down as they come through. But she said, I got so many good business ideas. I remember and they just yeah. you know, they went away because <laughs> you're just so present, right? You're just being, you're there being, I haven't done it yet. I yeah. think I would like it. Everyone's experience is completely different. But like fourth day, I was like, anyone doesn't know what it is it's basically a silent meditation retreat completely free donation based they feed you vegetarian food men and women are separated and you don't look at each other you don't read you don't journal all you do is meditate like from 4 a.m in the morning to like late at night and then you can go on nature walks and then when you're eating you're eating mindfully with your food it's super powerful the amount of clarity i gotten in there it was like whoa i gotta protect this. And I think that's why it's so important to have time for yourself. There's a lot of people who don't like to be alone. And I think during this time with coronavirus and all this stuff, it was such a great opportunity for you to get to know yourself at a deeper level. Who are you? What do you stand for? What do you believe in? And what do you want to dedicate your life doing? 
Absolutely. I think it also brings up how you handle a difficult time. I think we're seeing a lot of that because it's not easy right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking about numbing, I mean, things that we're used to having. For me, I think it was traveling. A lot mm. of times I'm like, I'm out of here. Let's go on a trip. I want to see something new. And I don't have that. And I mean, th- it sounds that's a very privileged thing to say. Yeah. But it, taking out a lot of those things that would, you know, distract me. Absolutely. And then how do, how do I sit with myself in the space, not having the normal stuff that I have? Yeah. Which I think is actually a, a blessing in disguise. It's like a collective cleanse. It is. It Renewal. Is. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, I feel like there is good coming out of this time. I truly believe that I learned I have to be careful who I say that to if they're in a sensitive space. Absolutely. Yeah. Because everyone, again, everyone has a... is at a different stage in their life and respecting that yeah thank you for listening everyone if you've enjoyed the show please give it five stars and write a review it helps my rankings and i really really appreciate it and if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend it's called show up finding love for independent women and it's available on amazon have a great day